Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. See, you know how it is, right? When you get together with family or friends and you start telling stories, stories that are familiar to everybody there, events that perhaps everybody was present for, and yet somehow the details are a little negotiable, right? Some folks might be a little more creative, some artistic license, like to sprinkle a little fairy dust here and there. Others, just the facts. Of course, the facts as they remember them. And so it is with the story around which we have gathered tonight. Tonight we gather and have just heard what Christians believe to be the most important story ever told. It occupies more space in the New Testament than any other story. And yet, despite the fact that this story of the crucifixion of Jesus is literally the most crucial story ever recorded, nobody seems to remember exactly how it all went down. Four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all remember and tell this story wildly differently. Luke, the one who gives us the story we just heard, Luke includes in just this brief little section three details, powerful, poignant, really meaningful details that Matthew, Mark, and John apparently didn't remember or chose not to include. Now we're only going to talk about one of those because you're all going to go home tonight and you're going to read all four Gospels and you're going to decide and discern what those other two details that only Luke has. And there will be a quiz next Good Friday. But one of those details that only Luke includes is when Jesus says, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing. It's a seemingly really important thing, right? To forgive those who crucify him from the cross. A powerful thing to say. And yet somehow only Luke apparently got the memo or thought it was important enough to remember Now, if you were all Baptists instead of Lutherans, you would have a Bible with you for worship tonight. And if you were good Baptists, you'd have a good Bible. And you would be reading along, and you would notice that when you get to that sentence, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It would be in brackets with a little letter indicating a footnote. And so if you were a good Baptist with a good Bible and also given to scholarly pursuits, you'd look down the page to see what that note was all about, and you would read that even many of the earliest copies of the Gospel of Luke don't include that sentence. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Think about that for a moment. This powerful word of grace from the cross that only Luke, and maybe not even that guy, seemed to remember that it was ever spoken. Now, when that happens, as it happens often in Scripture, lots of questions can be asked. You can ponder this in lots of different ways. Maybe Jesus didn't actually say that, and maybe later on some monk in the 4th century was sprinkling a little bit of fairy dust while he was copying a manuscript. There were no copy machines back then. Who knows? But I wonder, I wonder if perhaps 
Jesus really did say those words. Those powerful words of grace from the cross. But there weren't very many people there to remember. And in fact, none of the people who should have been there, the folks who should have been faithful enough to hear and remember and tell the story, that is, the disciples, none of them were there. They'd all scattered like cockroaches when the light comes on, leaving Jesus essentially to die alone. But maybe Jesus did say those words, and the one person who heard them was that centurion, the Roman soldier, The one who drew the short straw that day and had to preside over the death of this innocent man. The one who, at the end of our story, praises God and declares Jesus innocent. Maybe that centurion heard as he stood there with his hands, still stained with the blood from Jesus' brow, his hands, his feet, from where he himself drove the nails through Jesus' own That blood's still there, regardless of how how much he tried nervously to wipe it off on the red robe of his Roman soldier's uniform. And as he stood there, he heard Jesus using one of his last breaths. Jesus, his body racked with pain, his mouth bone dry, his lungs screaming for air, for that's how crucifixion gets you. Suffocation. And yet, that man heard Jesus use one of his very last breaths to absolve him, to forgive him, to wipe the slate clean before the deadly deed was even fully done. Before Jesus breathes his last, and already forgiven. So maybe, maybe he heard those words, and he went out and he told somebody. But they refused to believe. Because words like that, spoken to a guy like that, boy, those are words that are too good, too beautiful and or maybe a little too crazy to be true. For surely someone must pay. It can't be that easy. Surely there must be some blood spilled to avenge an innocent death. Maybe no one would believe his story. Around this time of the year, especially on this night, Christians, pastors, theologians, but I think people of all ages ponder some pretty big questions. Like, why did Jesus have to die? What exactly do we mean when we call this Good Friday? A question my children and the old guy in the locker room at the gym this morning asked on the same day. Good Friday. What do we mean when we say Jesus died for our sins or Jesus died to save us? It's 
A strange thing to say. Now, there's a, a, a lot of different theories about that, a lot of different ways to think about the cross. One very popular, very traditional one sounds a little something like this. That God was really angry about all the things that we did and left undone. And in God's anger, God must be satisfied. Some price had to be paid. Nobody gets off that easy. But God was kind and gracious enough not to take that pound of flesh from you, the guilty, but instead from his baby boy. Now, I know that might sound like a fairly crude or crass way to talk about that story, but I'm not sure how else to hear that particular theory. And as troubling as that might be for some of us, it certainly is for me. It sure is popular. And I wonder if at the root of its popularity is this sense in which God at least on some level, is as vengeful as we are. No way God would let the world off that easy. Someone must pay. Reckoning must be made. A friend of mine, Nadia, she's not buying that. And a lot of us don't. Instead, she looks to this story that one sentence that may have just been too good to be believed. You see, that's not God's little boy hanging on the cross. According to what we confess, it's God. It's the second person of the Trinity. Which is to say, what we meet in the cross, the one we find hanging there, is a God who, as she says, would rather die than be in the sin accounting business anymore. Would rather die than keep track. Keep thinking about all the things that you have done wrong. Keep chalking it up on the ledger to know who owes who what. But rather, this is a God who's done with all that, wants nothing to do with even the slightest hint of our vengeance and violence. But before the deed is even done, breathes his last breath as a breath of forgiveness and grace. One who takes into God's own broken body all our stuff, all our shame and guilt, our anger, our resentments, our grudges, our everything, and gives back nothing but grace, nothing but forgiveness. It seems almost too good or too crazy to be true. Because here's the troubling thing. We also confess that we somehow are made in God's image. Dim, obscured perhaps, but somewhere 
in us, we share some of who God is. Which means that on some level, we too can forgive. That is, if if God can even forgive that guy, the centurion standing at his feet, God's own blood staining his hands. If God can forgive him, then what business do I have holding the grudges I hold? Withholding forgiveness from any brother, sister, or one whom we might call enemy. If God can forgive anyone, does that mean that God can even forgive me? Or you? them without any price simply because God is that good that loving that gracious it seems too good to be true but I wonder I wonder if on this night, especially in a world so thick with violence and vengeance, here, there, and everywhere, this might just be the most true words ever spoken. Indeed, Father, forgive them. Forgive even them. They don't know what they're doing. And it is that Those words that make this night of all nights, this Friday, very good indeed. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.